Welcome to Alpine On Air. This week I got the chance to sit down with a bit of a legend in the ski industry. Chris Robinson is a highly respected freestyle skier, coach, event manager, TV personality, producer, the list goes on. He founded North America's only multi-platform ski media and production company and built it up to a level where S Media now reaches over 4 million Canadians. Throughout his jam-packed career, he was also able to volunteer his time and considerable experience to numerous organizations, including the Canadian Snow Sports Association, the Canadian Ski Council, and the Fist Freestyle Committee. In 2009, he was inducted into the Canadian Ski Hall of Fame for his tireless contributions to the industry. That same year, Chris founded World Snow Sports Events Group and played an integral role in bringing five Fist World Cup events to Blue Mountain over the years to come. Today, Chris mainly focuses on his TV production company, Double Black Diamond Productions, but of course, it always seems he has several exciting projects on the go at once. Speaking of exciting events, in less than two weeks' time, the Fist Ski Cross World Cup is back at Blue Mountain. But first, let's hear the backstory from Chris. But uh, yeah, the kind of rock and roll, yeah, yeah. decent music, but not you. <laughs> no, 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 I think if you, if you add the word ski to the end, then, uh, yeah. I, I think I... Yeah, then I got into the, the, the vintage uh, ski ballet oh, videos of you. <laughs> Still have those headbands. <laughs> yeah, well, I've got a friend who's, who holds a lot of that video and he keeps pushing them out on, on uh, social media. So yeah, so. <laughs> I think Robin sent me one and the others I just found it, but yeah. Very entertaining. Um, okay, but let's um, let's start with a bit of a rundown on your history um, for people that aren't familiar with what you do or how you fit into the ski industry. If you could just go back to your your origin story, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, for sure. It uh, it really started out uh, with me being a, a freestyle skiing competitor back in the day, and uh, um, in the uh, early 70s when hot dog skiing was really popular. I was a, an enthusiast and fan and uh, sort of got into it. And Anyway, I, went, I worked my way up through the competitive scene and I did ski in the Freestyle World Cup for, uh, for a few years and then uh, became a, a coach working at the provincial and uh, national level as national junior team coach and program director for Ontario. And then uh, got into event organization uh, working with the Canadian Ski Association Freestyle Discipline back at the time, in the early 80s. And from there, uh, got asked to get involved in um, a TV program that was produced locally at CKBR TV in Barrie called Ski Base. And they were looking for somebody to do some reporting about freestyle skiing. And given my background, uh, it came to me. And so that's how I got into the TV business. And... Uh, my role with the TV show expanded over the years, and uh, I did both some production and on-air work, um, but also was handling the sales and marketing, bringing sponsors in for, for, uh, to support the show. 
And um, then in the early 90s, after working with the program for about six or seven years, uh, CKDO was going to cancel the show um, because of really uh, a sort of financial reasons that were more related to their parent company, Chum, and uh, the fact that it wasn't doing well on its own. So I acquired the show from CKVR and started my own production company called Double Black Diamond Productions. And um, uh, and things sort of took off from there. Um, I, so I've been in the production and media business for, for nearly 30 years now in, in varying capacities. And um, after I finished working for the uh, competitive skiing groups professionally, I decided to get involved and continue on as a volunteer. And a lot of my volunteer work has been focused on freestyle. Um, I worked with the Canadian Freestyle Ski Association on their board and was the chair for, uh, for a number of years. Um, I also got involved in the International Ski Federation early on with uh, uh, the, the NORAM Freestyle Committee and actually bringing North American Cup events uh, into the FIST structure back in the late 80s and uh, went on to be named as chairman of the FIS Freestyle Skiing Committee back in 2000 and held that position right up until this year when uh, freestyle and snowboard were restructured within the FIS. And so I still hold a key position in the, in the new structure, but uh, no longer chair there. And along the way, I got involved with the Canadian Snow Sports Association and uh, the Canadian Ski Council and the Ski Canada Foundation. So I uh, kind of got my hands on a lot of things, but uh, really it, it all sort of stems back to uh, a love of the sport and, uh, and having been able to kind of create a lifestyle and a career around it. What's uh, originally drew to freestyle versus some of the more traditional disciplines? I think I was one of those kids who uh, just was a little rebellious and and uh, I, I wasn't interested in really the structure that the racing programs uh, uh, brought along and uh, and so I was looking for something a little more free and independent and. Uh, I grew up skiing at Talisman in the Beaver Valley, and they just happened to have a freestyle program and uh, um, some good coaches who were uh, inspiring. And so I got involved really there and uh, had some success in local and regional events and, uh, and kind of grew from there. Cool. And were you always kind of thinking you would get into the TV production, this sort of event management side of things? Was that a goal you had as a young athlete, or was that just kind of naturally progressed into that? It was interesting because before I had any visions of working in the, the TV or media side of things, I did get involved in the event organization and management side. Mm -hmm. And with that, um, worked with the, uh, the TV producers and broadcasters who were covering some of the events I was doing. And so I, I started to get interested in it in that phase when I was really uh, sort of getting my feet wet in event management. Um, the, it came back around really by chance. Uh, the, the TV station came to me to get involved in Ski Base, and uh, I was really interested to, uh, to take it on and, and found that I really had a, had a love of the industry and, uh, and affinity for it, so uh, kind of grew from there. That's cool. That's most things do. Um, did you did you find, so you first start, you started Double Black Diamond Productions first, and then later came World Snowsport Events Group. Yeah. Yeah. At the time when you were building those those companies, was that, like, how new was that on the scene? Were there other competitor organizations, or were you really, you know, a standalone in that type of organization, at least in Canada? 
Double Black Diamond Productions um, really was established to become a corporate entity that I could roll the, the TV show that I was involved with at CKBR um, into a business in a, in a proper way. But uh, what happened pretty quickly was um, people I knew uh, were interested in, in getting TV coverage for some of their events and things. And uh, one of the connections I made early on was with Ken Reed. And at the time, Ken was running the uh, Toshiba Ski Invitational event out at Lake Louise. Mm -hmm. And so uh, very early on, uh, he asked us to get involved and produce the, the TV coverage, which went on TSN of his event, and we continued to do that for 10 consecutive years. And so that really provided me with a, with a step into the event coverage side of the TV business. Um, I found that as we became more competent and experienced in, in working on the ski hill, uh, doing multi-camera productions, that there were other opportunities that opened up. And so we kind of became specialists in doing snow sports TV programming. And that's really how it evolved and, and continues to be that way today. You know, working on the side of a mountain in a snow and winter environment is obviously different and, and quite specialized. And so uh, I was, I've really been able to uh, develop a, a sustainable business around that which has, uh, which has been great to do something you love and, uh, and make it your business at the same time. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> uh, and then fast forwarding, I don't know how many years, but when you got the idea to bring a World Cup FIS event to the Collingwood area, talk about that kind of, kind of the ski industry scene at the time. Were people receptive for that idea? Was it hard? Like, was it a struggle to bring that event? How, what was the scene like at that time? At that time, it was uh, 2009, and I was just uh, getting acquainted with um, Mark Christoffic, who became my, my business partner in, in Snow Sports Media. And um, together, we had, uh, had always had independently, and then, you know, when we, when we met each other, uh, uh, realized that together we shared the same kind of vision to, to bring a, a major World Cup event to the Collingwood region. And I think it's something that Lots of people have thought about it for a long time, and uh, uh, but I had a bit of an advantage because of my involvement with the FIS and the Canadian Snow Sports Association, and understanding how the the, the calendaring system worked within uh, within the FIS, and also a little bit about um, how to uh, uh, navigate things in terms of uh, making sure that. Both the technical side of the event, the business side of the event, and then working with the International Federation uh, all needed to come together to make things actually happen. So um, we really looked at what were the opportunities in terms of bringing a, a World Cup event into Collingwood, and, and um, we saw Ski Cross as a great opportunity because it worked technically. Um, it's had that balance of, uh, of appealing enough to the Alpine community in, in the area. And, um, um, and it was new enough that there was all kinds of interest in uh, where the sport was going because when we first uh, started to work on it, it was in the year leading up to the 2010 Games when Ski Cross was going to be uh, an event for the first time. And so, uh, so we kind of hit the sweet spot with that. And um, the big challenge, of course, with anything like a, a, a major event on that scale is, is putting the money together. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, 
we had uh, uh, great support from Blue Mountain, who had a couple of their partners who were interested to get involved. We were successful in applying for some some grant funding to support the event, and um, uh, and it was in that period leading up to the Olympics when there was just a, enough buzz that uh, uh, we were able to pull all of the support that we needed from a volunteer standpoint, from a media standpoint, and uh, we kind of were in the right place at the right time. And then it went well, and so it was something that uh, we were able to keep going for the next few years. And uh, now looking at 2017, this will be the fifth time we've actually uh, done a World Cup here at uh, Blue Mountain. Yeah. So it ran, it ran for several years at Blue Mountain, and then there was a bit of a hiatus, is that correct? What brought about that break, and, and how were you able to bring it back for the 2017 season? The, the reason that we ended up having to uh, take a couple of years off was really because of the scheduling challenges that happen every four years around the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And so the last event we did was the Snowboard Cross in 2013. But looking at the 2014 uh, World Cup calendars in both Ski Cross and Snowboard Cross, um, it was going to be really difficult to find a weekend that worked for either the, uh, the national organization, um, the FIS, uh, the Blue Mountain as the host resort, and ourselves. Um, and of course, you have to have all those things synchronized to, uh, to make it work. And uh, it was really a calendaring challenge. The problem is once you come off the calendar, and in the Olympic year, we kind of got bumped out for those reasons, but other people then move around and start to fill in other dates. And it takes a couple of years to get everything you know, back in sync and, and back uh, into the, the schedule in a place that works. So we were lucky that this year things lined up again, and, um, and here we are. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier that you know, Ski Cross debuted at the 2010 Olympics. It's a relatively new sport. How has it evolved in that in the past six or seven years, and what can people expect to see at the 2017 event at Blue I think the thing that's changed the most is that um, um, the event has become far more sophisticated in terms of the... Uh, um, the, the technical organization around the event in terms of the course development, in terms of the safety. Um, and I think there's been um, a fair amount of growth around the world. I think there's still the need for the sport to really um, get rooted at the grassroots development level in many countries. But um, um, there's enough of a, uh, I think, an athlete pool that, comes out of Alpine that we've been able to, you know, keep the field uh, replenished and, um, you know, top athletes uh, uh, are still some of the skiers that have been around for a number of years, but um, there's there's lots of uh, talent underneath the, uh, the top group these days as well. So um, I would say that uh, uh, the, probably the, the thing that has helped keep the sports momentum going um, more than anything is the fact that Audi got involved as World Cup title sponsor uh, uh, a few years back. And um, that has really helped to be able to secure a consistent World Cup circuit from year to year, bring more media coverage to it, generally put more support behind the, uh, uh, the development of the events. And, um, and so we've got, I think, a pretty well-oiled machine now that comes with the Ski Cross World Cup. And... Um, uh, and let's face it, it's it's pretty exciting uh, yeah. stuff to watch. Yeah, I'm, I'm I know I'm excited to go. I've never been to uh, a World Cup event like that, so I'm definitely excited to see what that's going to pan out. And I, I think one of the things 
about the that level of event is that it's more of like that that festival atmosphere. It's not just you know one race for a couple hours in the day. It's a couple days. You've got other events that are going on in the village, and it's you know it's a whole it's a whole event, not just one race. One of one of the events that is going to be going on in the village is the Alive and Loud fundraiser that is going to be put on by Alpine Ontario and Alpine Canada. Can you uh, tell us a bit more about that and? where the idea to combine arts and the ski community came from and how that all came together? Yeah, it's it's interesting how that evolved. Um, yeah. A couple of things. One of the one of the main uh, reasons for the World Cup first coming to Collingwood from uh, from you know my interest and and Mark's when we formed World Snow Sports Events Group, which is a not for profit company that um, is the event management group that runs the World Cup. Yeah. Um, we not only wanted to put on a, a great sporting event, but we wanted to see a, uh, a major event um, offer, uh, you know, support to the skiing community and, and the local community uh, in a way that um, uh, it would really feel like the event was not just coming in and uh, being in the limelight for, for that one week out of the year, but, but getting integrated into the fabric of the community and that people would really want to see it come back from year to year and be part of it. So um, we set out to uh, engage the community with events that would um, provide that sort of legacy opportunity. And um, this year, um, I had the idea, because of a personal interest and love of the arts, uh, to see if we could find a way to, uh, to combine the two. So I went to a local artist uh, named Andrea Ronaldo, and, uh, and she's been, been very active in this area. Um, uh, doing a number of arts events in Collingwood over the past few years. And uh, she immediately saw the potential, and, and so we put our heads together and said, well, could we run a, an event that would feature local artists and uh, uh, turn it into something that uh, could raise some money in support of Alpine Ontario and, um, um, and local uh, ski racing development? And um, uh, we came up with the concept to... Um, tie the skiing theme into it by um, sourcing a bunch of vintage skis and it was it was interesting how this sort of just fell into our laps because uh, we decided that the the concept would be to have a bunch of artists in a room um, painting the surface of, of uh, old vintage skis and basically taking the old skis and turning them into modern works of art and then we would uh, have a silent auction of some static art pieces that um, um, the artists themselves uh, uh, have done that are winter-themed, um, auction those off, but then auction all of these skis that were being created live and in front of, uh, in front of a crowd off as part of the uh, fundraising effort as well. The loud part comes in because we're going to have a DJ with the music pumping, so it'll be a good old apres ski party. Um, you know, it's not uh, sort of like going to a, to a quiet art gallery where right. people stand and stand back and ponder the uh, what they're seeing. They'll be there having a beer and a glass of wine and some apres uh, snacks and uh, listening to some good music and having fun watching the art. Um, we've got a bunch of great local artists who are going to be involved. People like Sue Miller and Dave Conning, Jason Alexander, Ted Civil, Edward Gurevich, uh, Suzette Terry, and... Lazarus Ayanu, who are actually going to be painting live, and these are well-known artists in the community, and uh, so it's it's good for them. Um, it's a way for people to uh, get some exposure to the arts if if maybe they wouldn't naturally be inclined to uh, 
um, to take a, a look inside a gallery, and uh, and I think it's uh, it's a great way just to do something a little different to raise some money for uh, for a good cause. We have partnered with Alpine Ontario, and of course Alpine Canada as the governing body for the event is is also going to be involved, and they're going to bring uh, um, uh, lots to the table with some additional uh, auction items and. Uh, and a, and a bigger pool of people to uh, to draw from and make it a bigger event. And so uh, we're really looking forward to it. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a pretty cool event. I remember hearing uh, the idea for the event a couple months ago and thinking, okay, this is a, it's a cool idea, but like, where are you going to find all these wooden skis? So, oh, so that, that was the story I was going to tell. Um, my, uh, uh, my wife was also involved in the management of the event. Um, once we decided we were going to do this, got online and Ironically, literally days after we, we set out to find some skis, she found a guy in Owen Sound who was selling seven pairs of vintage skis on Kijiji. <laughs> Kijiji <laughs> so, has it all. We drove over to Owen Sound to see him, and they were exactly what we were looking for. So we kind of hit the mother load and uh, found the full stash of skis in one shot, and uh, the event was off and running. It's awesome. It's meant to be. I'm wondering just to go. Backwards and uh, back to the media side of things. I'm wondering how your perspective being in the media industry has um, has changed how you look at the sport and and how big a role media coverage plays in developing a new sport like ski cross or freestyle skiing in general. You know, it's interesting because um, I can look at it two ways. And one one way I would say that um, um, this sport of skiing, uh, whether it's alpine, freestyle, snowboard, has really sort of grown over the past 20 years with obviously the uh, television exposure and the accessibility of, of content online and everything. Um, and um, I think it's really helped to drive the sports from a, from a business standpoint. But what I'm seeing more and more of uh, nowadays is that the expectation of a certain type of coverage and the interest uh, on the viewer side to consume a certain type of uh, media content is changing. And I think that that has challenged the sports to try and and appeal to new audiences. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's an interesting time in, in snow sports, I think, at, at the, uh, the highest levels. Um, you know, alpine skiing, I think, is, is challenged to remain relevant to, uh, to the younger crowd and bring new participants in the sport. And I think, uh, you know, uh, the, the, uh, the park and pipe events um, are certainly something that um, has seen growth because that kind of content, getting a lot of play in the media, has, uh, has kept it um, uh, really out in front and, and relevant. And so it's, it's an interesting time. I think that, you know, Alpine is, is obviously the, the biggest and most well established of the, the skiing disciplines and, and probably will be for, uh, uh, you know, for the, the future. But, um, I think that for Alpine to really continue to grow in the future, it needs to uh, really keep its head up and, and think about uh, how the sport is presented. Our event, I think, is, is really uh, in a sweet spot because it's just so visual that um, um, you know, it makes good TV. It's good to watch on the slope. And uh, um, so it's, it's one of those ones that uh, I think is actually benefiting from you know, where media and everything else is at today. Yeah. 
you've clearly contributed a lot to the ski industry over your career. I'm wondering what what one thing or event or idea you're most proud of contributing to the industry. Well, that's like it's <laughs> <laughs> a big it's a big question. Yeah, we can come you back know, to it. But. I I I, uh, I can honestly say when when I became the the chairman of the freestyle skiing committee for the FIS, it was a critical point in freestyle's evolution, and um, the the events of freestyle at that time under the fist structure were only moguls and aerials, and so. When I came in, the, the FIST leadership essentially challenged me as the new chairman in our committee to look at our sport and say, what can we do to modernize it and how can we keep it uh, relevant moving forward? Because the FIST honestly was questioning the value that the sport was bringing to the FIST. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, uh, working with a couple of key members of the committee and the race director, uh, fellow Canadian who's been in Switzerland now for 25 years named Joe Fitzgerald, we sat down and, uh, and literally hammered out uh, a bunch of ideas about how we could uh, approach the challenges that the Fisk Council had essentially put in front of us. So we looked out into the market and said, you know, um, things like uh, ski cross, skier cross, it was more commonly called. Um, the, the name ski cross is actually the Fisk term that we adopted to kind of established the FIS brand. Um, but we looked at, uh, at that and we looked at uh, the, the park and pipe side of things uh, with a half pipe at the time and more recently with, with slope style and uh, longer term probably big air and said, okay, if we want to modernize freestyle, we should go out and uh, try and attach the FIS level of activity to some of the things that are starting to grow and evolve organically out in the, the ski marketplace. So we approached um, a couple of key people, one being um, the guys who were at Solomon Skis, who were doing the Saab Solomon CrossMax Tour, which at the time was really the premier skier cross uh, series event taking place in a number of countries around the world, and said, hey, would you support the development of uh, skier cross as a World Cup event? And um, they were very supportive in working with us to, uh, uh, to get behind that. And um, we had a number of countries who expressed interest in, uh, um, in looking at forming national teams, if we could make that happen. And so the first thing we did was really go after uh, Skier Cross uh, as uh, a new event in freestyle, along with Halfpipe. And we presented a plan to do that to the FIS Council and, uh, and they supported it. And uh, with, with that support, we actually introduced the Ski Cross World Cup to the FIS back in, uh, in 2002. It took eight years for us to make, it, uh, to make Ski Cross into an Olympic event, but without that initiative in the, uh, the uh, uh, eight, ten years earlier, um, it never would have happened. So I'm very uh, proud of that, and that is um, really one of the main reasons why when we embarked on bringing a World Cup event to Blue Mountain, Ski Cross was really a natural for, uh, for us to look at. I have a background in more traditional freestyle in, in moguls, for example. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, way back in the day, ballet skiing, <laughs> which I hate to admit, but yeah. uh, it's out there on the internet, so you can't oh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, I really think uh, 
uh, ski cross is a, is a fantastic sport, and um, I think it's been a great addition to freestyle skiing. And I've always been a believer that you know, we're not a bunch of separate disciplines in this sport. We're all skiers and snowboarders. We're all passionate about the same thing. And, um, you know, these barriers that exist, these silos that exist around the disciplines, I think are a little artificial. And actually, ski cross is one that's interesting because at the fist level, it's technically a, a freestyle event. And, it, you know, the medals awarded at the Olympics are freestyle medals. But let's face it, it's it's an alpine sport in 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 almost every other aspect and the development stream of athletes comes out of Alpine. So there's really kind of a nexus there between the disciplines that I think is really cool. And I would love to see the sports at a provincial and national level find a way to come together in a, in a more collaborative way. Ultimately kids just want to get out in the snow and, and have fun on skis and a snowboard. And uh, um, if they could have that multi-sport experience and then as the talents emerge, get streamed into, you know, maybe discipline or another, that'd be great. But I think there's a bit of a missed opportunity that we could all benefit from if everybody maybe uh, got together a little more. So uh, I'm a great promoter of that. That's not always the, uh, the easiest thing to sell, but... Uh, well, it's a hard thing to do, but it's a, it's a pretty good mission to have, and uh, that was a great answer. <laughs> Um, so what's, what's next for you? We've got the World Cup in just over two weeks, but I'm sure you already have other stuff on your plates. What's, what's next for you? We would love to see this become an annual event, and it's certainly our goal to, to try and do that. Um, to really solidify it um, and keep it sustainable from year to year for, for the long term. Um, is not easy. Um, it's a lot of money. The, you know, we have to come up with literally hundreds of thousands of dollars to put these events on. And so um, we are challenged to do that every time we set out to do one. But as soon as this one ends, I'll be working on trying to get the next one going. And, uh, but um, our uh, production company is, is a going concern. And so um, uh, we'll be looking at uh, the next jobs that are on the horizon for uh, for double black diamond and uh, i'm looking at uh towards the olympics next year and uh, and being there and a couple of different possibilities and in, in what capacity i'll get get over there to korea to uh, to participate but uh, uh so lots on the go never dull moment and uh yeah sounds exciting can't wait to see what uh, what comes out of all that work and I can't wait to attend the event next week. I'm, I'm really pumped for that. We're, we're really hopeful, and I, I'm anticipating that we'll have a pretty good crowd. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, if we get a, uh, if we, if the weather gods are with us and we get a, uh, a sunny uh, Sunday, uh, March the 5th, then uh, I, we could have thousands of people at the bottom of the hill. So everybody will want to be there to be part of that because it'll yeah. be pretty cool. And one thing I should mention is that uh, at the uh, bottom of the course, one of the things that Audi is doing this year is they have invested in building what we're calling the Audi Garage, which is essentially a, a steel structure with a plexiglass face on it. And um, it's going to uh, have an Audi R8 inside of it. And so the last jump of the course, we'll see all the athletes coming down and jumping over top of the R8 as they uh, race towards the finish line. So just to see that in itself will be pretty cool. So that's pretty cool. That <laughs> yeah, I would definitely come just to see that. <laughs> I think it's going to fulfill some childhood dreams. <laughs> totally. That's pretty cool. Well, I know you're a busy guy, so I really appreciate you coming in and chatting with us today. 
Thank you. It's a great opportunity to come in and uh, love working with Alpine Ontario and uh, it's a good partnership between us and uh, World Snow Sports. So hopefully we can bring more big events into the region to uh, support the provincial programs and uh, get more people out skiing. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Chris. If you are interested in checking out the uh, Live and Loud fundraiser, which you should be because it's going to be super cool, it's happening Saturday, March 4th, just before the World Cup opening ceremonies in the Blue Mountain Village. Tickets are only $65, which is really a great deal. It includes two free drinks and finger foods. And these tickets can be found at alpineontario.ca forward slash shop. Hope to see you there.